0: I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Welcome to the next installment of Nine Cents, the one and only podcast devoted solely to the satanic perspective of our modern world. I'm your host Adam Campbell. I've had a great week this week. Um, I've had a terrible week this week. It has been full of sick children, uh, family unrest, furniture maneuvering, uh, good purchases and bad purchases. We live in that consumer society. Um, However, I did get around to siphoning my beer into my secondary, my Irish stout, which tastes amazing at this point. Uh, I haven't even bottled it yet. I was just watching the Oscars, and uh, I don't normally watch shows like that. It's not over yet. Not very exciting. Um, I I did want to make a a quick note here about Kirk Douglas. You know, that guy is celebrated in his career as an actor, which I understand. He's done a lot of great films. Um, He's received accolades and awards. Uh, He's a great human being, as far as thespians go anyway. Uh, but, you know, he's this old guy who is a stroke survivor, so, you know, congratulations to him on that. But it's awfully uncomfortable to watch him sort of act on stage and play this role of the, the witty or sexually cunning old man to all the children. It's very creepy, and I couldn't help but think that this was a lot like Tales of the Crypt when I was a kid. And he's the fucking crypt keeper, cackling, sitting upright out of a coffin. It's fucking creepy as shit, man. Like what? What sick part of our culture demands that rather than remember our our actors in their prime, we drag them out, drag them through the dirt? dick them up in pre-rigamortis pose with popsicle sticks and walking canes. And just enjoy them in their ancient manners. They say the good always die young. Uh, Though that may not be true. Certainly. uh, It should be. Because I don't like seeing these ancient gentlemen Standing on the stage. And it's the same thing with Jack Nicholson. You know, there's going to be a point where he cannot walk anymore. They're still going to try to find some way of dragging his carcass up on the platform and having everyone point and smile and laugh about what a great thespian he was at one time. All the sexual proclivities of his life. Show respect for the individual as they earned it in their time. But at this point, it's just a sideshow. And it's, it's grotesque to watch. It's painful. So I was glad that I had to come here and do this live show. So thank you. Thank you for giving me reason to break my eyes away from that horrific nightmare. In today's episode, I'm going to take you to the second level of hell. Lust. We're going to talk about satanic sex. Hmm... I'm a fan of sex. I like sex... a lot. It's the sole reason I have two kids, and it's uh, what I look forward to every day. Though I don't get it every day. I'm gonna have to work on that. (laughs) In American Beauty, there's a scene where Kevin Spacey's character was in the shower, and there was a voice over and he was uh, masturbating in the shower and he said, uh, this is the highlight of my day it's all downhill from here and I can't help but think sometimes, ain't that the fucking truth? though it's hard to get better than an orgasm and even my worst orgasms are at times better than my better than average days I so thought you should know that. So, in The Devil's Advocate today, we're gonna to be talking about satanic sex. In The Infernal Informant, I wanna talk a little bit about the uh, Mideast unrest, and Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker. I think there's a, a little bit more going on behind the scenes than he wants to let everyone believe. It's not all about balancing budgets. It rarely, if ever, is. And in Creature Feature, I'm going to talk about Clive Barker's The Hellbound Heart. In Bizarre of the Bizarre, I'm going to briefly touch on nose-picking, eating boogers, and riding someone's ass in the car. (laughs) So I'm not going to talk anymore about it right now. I'm not going to give you any teaser. Just the title. Because I know you want to hear about it. And as disgusting as it sounds, there's some part of you it's gonna fucking listen until the end, or at least skip to the very end so you can hear about it. You sick bastards. But that's what I love about you. So, without further ado. Oh, Sun who the Anushas, the Azoth, the Azoth of the Azoth, the Azoth of the Azoth, the the Azoth, the Azoth of the Azoth, the Azoth of the the Azoth of the Azoth, the uh, I read, I am. have taken my name. I am myself. I live. And The devil's act. Jolts. Amen. Satanic sex. When I first saw the chapter heading Satanic sex in the Satanic Bible, I thought they were going to talk about positions or approved, ritualistic sex. But really what it talks about is the notion of sexual behavior. With the uh, 80s came a lot of crying out about satanic ritual abuse and sexual abuse of children. And no matter how hard the Satanists would defend themselves, people attributed it to us falsely, incorrectly. In fact, if there's one idea that Anton LaVey espouses in the Satanic Bible, uh, more than anything else in the Satanic sex chapter anyway, it's that you never push your deviant sexual appetites on other people. Ever. No exceptions. And that the only time that you do engage in sexual behavior is with a consenting adult. That's right. So, sorry for all you bestiality sick fucks out there. There's absolutely no way for you to correctly interpret an animal's cry as pleasure or pain. So just stay the fuck away from them. You don't want to be the chicken fucker. (laughs) And I make light of it in the moment, but realistically, just take a step back and understand that we are animals, and we are animals with a conscience, with a... accepted cultural identity, that we will stay within our species. More importantly... Most importantly, we cherish our youth. We do not want to scar them with physical abuse, emotional abuse, and certainly not sexual abuse. Now, the age of consent varies as per the society that you live. And there's nothing anyone can do about that. Some places in Europe, it's 14. In America, it's 18. So if you're an American, don't ever consider a child's decision on engaging in sexual activity until that child is of conscious mind and the age of consent. 18. That's it. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Don't be a sick fuck. You will be punished. So sexual activity in and of itself is celebrated. Uh, We are sexual creatures. We have one desire more than sexual activity, and that's survival. So it goes survival, breeding. Breeding doesn't always have to equate to having children. My wife and I decided to do that twice, um, and countless times without. I gotta tell you, uh, sex is something that binds everyone together. Not necessarily because we all love it, because there are indeed people out there who absolutely don't like it, or they choose an asexual lifestyle. And so long as it's their conscious decision and it's not something forced onto them, by all means, don't have sex, if, if that's what you're into, for those of us that do. Enjoy. Indulge. But be responsible. What you don't want to do is contract a disease or spread a disease. In our modern world we do have quite a few STDs running rampant. Point in fact, I just saw an article today um, in the health section about the number one cause of throat cancer, study just came out, is from oral sex, and they believe it to be because of HPV. Uh, I believe it's a human papilloma virus, and this is actually preventable. You get a you get a shot, you get inoculated for it, and you're good to go. Uh, they say that if you have six or more sexual partners, your chance of contracting um, the disease is exponentially higher. No shit, it goes without saying. The more partners you have, the higher chance you have of contracting any STD. But fucking cancer? You can't come back from that. Not many people come back from that. You can, obviously, if you have money. But not many people do. Now you can go into debt, or you can get your kids inoculated at the appropriate age. Yourself inoculated if you're going to engage in that activity with multiple partners. Make sure your partners know. And, and this is another thing about um, satanic sexuality and satanic sex, is that it's important for you to... Well, I'm going to say it here at a base level here. It's important for you to get your own, to get yours, but not at the expense of other people. So make sure that people know what's your sexual history is before you fuck them because that's going to have a huge bearing on whether or not their conscious consent is valid or not you know if you're in a a, a relationship um, and it's okay in your relationship if both partners agree to step outside excuse me to step outside of the bounds of marriage Well, by all means, do it, as long as everyone involved is understanding the situation and is okay with it, then do your thing. You know, there's a lot of religions out there that sort of shun the idea of of plurality in your, or or sharing your partner in your relationship. Um, As a Satanist stands, as long as all parties are consenting adults and accept, that stance, then there's no problem at all. There's a lot of religions out there that shun masturbation, even though masturbation has been shown to be healthy, normal activity. They look at it as if you're defiling yourself. You should be saving yourself for your eventual mate, whomever that may be. I submit that that's absurd. How can you... Be an understanding and useful lover if you don't even know how to please yourself, if you don't even know what you like. Now, as with anything, you can go overboard. You shouldn't plan your day around beating off, whether you're a guy or a girl, even though I know a lot of you do. Um, As long as it doesn't interfere with your family, professional life. Do whatever you like, as often as you like. Just be aware of potential consequences. (laughs) Like Harry Palms. (laughs) No, that's not true. So for satanic sex, um, I kind of want to talk about really quick sexuality. I I mentioned in a previous episode that I had a top five and five. So I had a top five heterosexual list of people that would be all right for me to um, step outside of the bounds of my marriage with. And there's a top five homosexual list. I truly believe at some point in one's life you transcend sexual boundaries. Now you may be a heterosexual individual or you may be a homosexual individual, you may be bisexual. You may be transgender. But at some point, for some of you, you're going to self-actualize yourself, your life, your being. And it is my belief, this is not the Church of Satan's stance, necessarily. It is my belief that at that point, You step back and outside of cultural, sexual norms. Now Satanists live outside that realm anyway on a normal basis. But there are Satanists that are are firm in their homosexuality, or their heterosexuality, or their transgender, or or anything like that. And they never step out of it. I submit that you can and that it's absolutely normal and it's absolutely okay it's an evolution of sexual understanding and behavior you know at some point you look at people and I don't know whether it's, it's professional reasons I don't know if it's just a common consciousness that everyone shares with these people but you look at some people and you just think I would fuck them and it doesn't matter where it, what you are, where you stand sexually. You would look at them and you would say, you know what, given the opportunity, I would not pass it up. I would absolutely fuck them. Uh <laughs> I don't see anything wrong with that, personally. Um I, I think it's fantastic. And of course there is also that level of saying it and then doing it. Uh <laughs> so <laughs> you have to be able to If you're gonna walk that line to step over it occasionally, (laughs) or step back if the case may be. Um, But yeah, I, I truly believe that people transcend sexuality. And that falls into play when it comes to your, if you're in a relationship, and if you're in sexual activity with individuals, that those people that you're indulging with understand where you're coming from. So let's talk about that briefly. Let's talk about relationships with satanic sex. You can absolutely have a long-lasting relationship with someone without having any sex at all. It's certainly nothing I would want, but it's possible. You can connect with someone on a mental level, that sex doesn't even matter. You can also connect with people on a sexual level and a conscious level. But I find a lot of people, and this is just through wandering the Earth, (laughs) as we all do, and uh, in, in talking openly about sexuality as I always have that a lot of people don't ever ask their significant other or others to indulge them in their own fetishes their own twisted desires how can you really know who you are as a lover if you've never given in a little bit And it's a conscious decision that you're going to have to make. If you want to. And you may end up not even liking that thing anymore. Whatever that fetish is. But if you don't explore it. How are you ever going to know? I say if there's something that you see that's attractive. Try it. You might like it. And even if you don't. Fuck it. You learn from it, right? Well, that's really all I have on Satanic sex. It's important to understand that though I am a member of the Church of Satan, I do not speak for the Church of Satan. And my views of sex may differ from other Satanists or your own. But uh, the stance on indulging your own private proclivities, the stance on always having adult consensus, acceptance, and never abusing children or animals, is a core to Satanism. That does not bend. So let's go ahead and move over to the Infernal Informant. Bodies of Darkness, earthquakes, volcanoes, the dead rising from the grave, human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. Oh, and the Infernal Informant. Today in the Infernal Informant, we're going to talk about the Mideast in brief. The Mideast. What's going on in the Middle East right now? There's a lot. There's a fucking lot. Uh, we can say that there is unrest in virtually the entire Mideast. From Morocco to Iran. And everywhere in between. And it started with Tunisia. It went into Egypt. It spread like wildfire. And why is that? Why, why is the entire Middle East erupting in protests? Part of it could be that the average demographical age of an individual in those territories, in those countries, is like 29. These people have grown with the internet. They see the rest of the world in some form of a democratic state, enjoying rights and freedoms of behavior, even sexuality. And you see the leaders of their countries condemning it. Whether it's on social, political, or religious bounds. So you have these young people rising up against their governments. Well, fucking A. Good for them. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping they have a little bit of foresight on this. I really do. I know that, you know, if I was born in one of those countries, I would be right there with them. You can't have Satanists acting their nature, certainly not easily, in an Islamic-ruled country. Even just sexual behaviors. I mean, fucking the leader of uh, Iran, Ahmadinejad, when he came to America and, and spoke to some students, proclaimed that he had no homosexuals in all of his country which is absolutely an absurd statement but that's the level of absurdity that these leaders are working in they refuse to admit reality and so their population rises up you know right now the one that stands out most is in Libya excuse me Uh, (laughs) Libya, Gaddafi Holy shit, this guy is a fucking madman. He is firing on his own people, claiming that they're all on drugs. That's right, everyone rising up against him is on drugs. They have to be, or else why would they be rising up against me? Have you seen pictures of Gaddafi? Dude looks like fucking what Michael Jackson would look now if you dug him up. Nasty. Not right at all. I mean, I saw some black and whites of him back in the day during his revolution when he took power. He's a decent-looking fella. No one ever thought he'd go here, though. This fucking dictator from hell. And that's actually an insult. I should say dictator from fucking heaven. Because that's where they're all standing from. Higher ground. At least in hell we accept you for what you are. (laughs) Fucking Gaddafi. I do have a little bit of, um, hesitance with my celebration with the Middle Eastern people. Because who are they going to have run their country? They're not going to vote some fucking 29-year-old up there if they get to vote at all. All they're doing is taking the head off of their governments. And the shoulders and the neck are stepping up into power. But do you really think that the shoulders or the neck are any fucking different than the head? Certainly they're going to adjust a little bit, maybe not indulge in the worst of activities that people saw, Gaddafi in this example, or any of the other dictators. They might adjust their behaviors slightly, but in the end, the who said it best, meet the new boss, same as the old boss. It's going to take a lot more, in my cynical opinion, than marching and dying in the streets to reform your government. It took Americans eight years of a bloody revolution with England to form our own government. Eight years. Egypt ousted their dictator in 18. Days I think it was, or eight days, or something. Eighteen I think. Uh, and they're still arguing, saying that they need more people in the government ousted. They're still fighting and threatening. So don't don't get all happy just because your head gets cut off of your government. There's a lot more to it than that. Be a student of world history, but don't forget what's happened already and be prepared to pay the price. Facebook only gets you so far. In my opinion, peaceful protest only gets you so far. And I would submit that you ask the Libyans, who have been gunned down by their own government, how far peaceful protesting got them. So the Middle East has always throughout all of human history, been in flux. Pain. War. It's not gonna fucking change because Facebook made it easier to talk to each other, or Twitter, made it easier to put 140 characters down and send it across the world. I hope they're ready to dig in for the long haul because I think in the end, it could end up really good for them. But it's going to take time. It's going to take a lot of time. And it's going to take a lot of lives. tell you, that's why I love America so much. I can create my own total environment. Certainly I'll have to pay taxes on it. I'll have to obey city ordinances and local laws. Small price to pay. Very small price to pay compared to what these other people doing out here in the Middle East. So good luck to them. Let's focus a little more on home. How about we talk a little bit about Scott Walker, Wisconsin governor. You know, Scott Walker was elected financially, backed, by the Koch brothers, billionaires. They were the gents that helped financially prop up the Tea Party. Corporateers of the highest degree. If it wasn't for them, all those Tea Parties wouldn't have been able to Tea Parties wouldn't have been able to be bussed around the different states in the election cycle. And it was because of them and two unions that Scott Walker was able to fund his run for governor of Wisconsin and win. And all the time spouting that he was going to have to cut the budget. And that's all these people ever talk about, is cutting the budget. We need to live within our means. And I absolutely agree, we do. But at what cost? Because while he's cutting the budget, he's cutting corporate taxes. He's cutting benefits to teachers, union workers. Scott Walker, in my humble opinion, is a front man for corporates, Everything he's doing is geared around the idea of privatizing the government and selling it to the highest bidder. you don't have to believe me, you don't have to take my word for it, but maybe if you just looked a little bit under the surface of this guy, you might agree with me And it doesn't even matter if you agree with me or not. This is what American process of politics is. Sometimes you get a leader that you appreciate, at least in part, and sometimes you get a leader that you absolutely despise entirely. It's the roll of the dice. It all depends on how much the other side wants it, How much they get the word out to get their citizens in the vote and how many corporatists they have to bow to to get the money to do it. Said it last week, and I'll say it this week. This country was bought and sold a long time ago. And the only way we even have a voice at all is through voting. So, Scott Walker is forcing concessions and cuts to unions. They all said, okay, no problem. Fine, we'll meet it. We understand we have a crisis. We have to trim the fat off of our benefits. And then he said, no, no, no. I want your collective bargaining rights too. And you can see this is a good or bad thing. Collective bargaining rights would provide them an opportunity, the unions, to work in better conditions or with better conditions, better benefits, better pay. If you're a corporatist, you see that as a horrible thing. Why would you want your workers able to have a voice? You want them to shut up and be slaves, work the hours you set under the wages that you set so you can reap the benefits. And they do. Oh, they do. And individuals who believe in workers' rights believe that unions are a way to fight back against the corporate monsters. Not all of them are, but a lot of them are. And certainly the ones who work within the bounds of unions. I mean, that's why unions were created. To promote worker rights. And I I will absolutely concede that it may have gone too far in some areas in some states. And that's why some states have already outlawed workers' collective bargaining, unions' collective bargaining. Because it isn't a right. You have an individual right to voice, but you don't have a right to force another corporate entity around. Corporate entities have rights too, you know. Supreme Court made it so. They can vote in elections with their money. You don't have to be a fucking human. You can be an entity. And have all the same rights as anyone else. Welcome to America. Welcome to democracy in action. Capitalism. Corporatism. In its finest. I can't help but have a little bile at the back of my throat when I talk about it. Because I do not stand on the side of every liberal bastion out there, but I certainly don't stand on the side of every corporatist slave owner. I think the middlemen, the working Americans, the people that this country was made by, fought and died for, those are the people who should have the voices. not a fucking building not a bank account because in the end that shit doesn't fucking matter what you've accomplished what you've worked for that's what matters and for some people indeed that is money for me I think it's closer to family a little bit a lot of it But here's the absurd part. See, Scott Walker... (laughs) Let's take a step back into my point here. ...was elected saying he was going to do this stuff. And then he gets into office, starts the process, and the fucking Democrats leave the fucking state! The people rise up against him! As if he was lying the whole time, and they realize suddenly, oh shit, he wasn't lying... He's actually going to do it. We don't like this. You voted this guy in through elections. If you didn't vote for it, it's fucking your fault, dumbass. How can you bitch now? How can you really bitch now? Oh, man, you reap what you sow, Wisconsin. You reap what you sow. This is why anyone that's backed by big money will never get my full support. Ever. And I, I submit to you that you should probably think about it before you go vote too. Elections are coming up. Not too far away. Use your voice, man, It's all you got. Let's go ahead and move over to Creature Feature. The sky is dark, moon piercing the night. Through the trees, the damsel in distress comes, breaking through the underbrush, fear painted on her face. The darkness hunting her is near. the swamp, water slowing her escape. The creature nears, the damsel turns, hands rising to her sides as a last effort to thrust the creature back. Welcome to Creature Feature. The Hellbound Heart, by Clive Barker. I love this book, for so many reasons. First of all, Clive Barker is my favorite author. He has a way of opening up fantasy realms into detail, shrouded in ritual and mystery and occult sex, in such a fantastic way. I absolutely love it. And the Hellbound Heart, well, you may know it as the movie Hellraiser, certainly the image of Pinhead, if not even that. And the Hellbound Heart is about passion, is about a drive to explore the very bounds of possibility through sex, through pleasure and through pain. Frank, the center of the novel, has done everything throughout his life. He has indulged himself in every drug, drunk every drink, enjoyed every sexual activity that he can think of, and then a couple more. And then he turns to the occult. Because what else is there? After you've experienced everything in life, there must be something beyond. He wants to experience it. And he hears rumors of these other dimensional beings, Cinnabites, that can provide you with the ultimate in pleasure and pain for a very small price. His soul. Well, to Frank it sounds like an awfully good deal. After all, he's not using his soul right now. So why not? He finds out that there's this puzzle box crafted by some Frenchman in the Romantic era that is supposed to be the door, but not everyone can open it. So he prepares he goes to his old parent's house lines up tubs around him surrounding them with candles and in the tubs he fills with semen shit blood urine he's got animals and he starts working at the box and slowly he eventually opens up the gates to the extra-dimensional beings and they come through and he is shocked at what he sees. Flesh rendered, twisted and torn, needles piercing the skin. And they show him pleasure and pain infinite. and as with anything, it becomes too much for him to bear. He would eventually trick his way to be brought back into the world by his brother's wife, whom he had seduced. And it will eventually be his niece that reveals his escape to the Cenobites. But what you find in between and the heart of the story is about passion, not just for an individual, but a yearning for something greater than ourselves, something us satanists have already found. And the irony is that it's always been yourself. Anyway, that's what I loved about the novel, and if you it's an old novel. If you haven't picked it up yet, or if you haven't taken the time, it's not very big. It won't take you but one or two nights to read through. But it's absolutely worth it. Clive Barker's The Hellbound Heart. How about we move over to uh, The Bazaar of the Bazaar. Nose-picking, eating boogers, and riding ass. (laughs) Welcome, welcome, welcome to The Bazaar of the Bazaar. Alright, so picture it, I'm in my car, it's snowing, I'm on my way to work, on the freeway, I look in the rearview mirror, and I see this car inching up my ass. Initially, I make sure that I have room to accelerate a little to ensure that she doesn't fucking ram me from behind. And shock of all shocks, it is a woman in the car behind me. I say that not because all women are shitty drivers, just the majority of you. (laughs) <laughs> I joke, kind of. <laughs> so I'm I'm driving. There's a chick riding up my ass. I'm checking my rearview mirror frequently to ensure that she doesn't actually fucking hit me, because we are, after all, in fucking rush hour traffic in the snow. Can't always rely on your car. You gotta use a little human instinct. Plan ahead a little bit. And she starts picking her nose. And she's not just picking her nose, she's fucking digging. She is spelunking. She's got a fucking miner's hat with a light on the end. And like just fucking ice picking the boogers out of her fucking nose. She's just digging deep. You know, on some level, you're just like, wow, I I can respect that amount of passion in someone's actions that they don't care who, where the fuck they are, they're gonna go digging. It has to be done. You know, we're all adults. You have to clean house. Sometimes blowing your nose isn't enough. Sometimes you gotta pick. Okay, you know, whatever. You gotta pick, you gotta pick. And then the unthinkable happens. She pulls out a nugget of gold. She has found it. She holds it up in front of her face. And then... Eats that bitch right in my fucking rearview mirror. She might as well have been leaning over the back seat into the front seat. I could feel her fucking breath coming out of her nose onto my cheek as she ate her own fucking nasty-ass booger. <laughs> fucking... Like she was a fucking prize fighter and it was a raw egg. God damn. God damn. You know, society has come to an understanding about this sort of thing. It's fucking gross. You don't fucking do it. We teach our kids that. This grown woman. So if it's not bad enough that she's riding my ass, and it's not bad enough that she's digging deep in her nose at the same time, she's not bad enough that she's fucking eating her boogers at the same thing, I'm going to add one more onto it. Because there's one more to add. Potentially the worst. So eating your own boogers is pretty fucking bad. She was wearing at least 2 (laughs) bumpets, And I don't know if you know about these things or not. I hope you don't. I hope you've never seen them. But essentially what it does is poofs up your hair so you look like you have an oblong shaped head, so you look like a fucking alien. ONE OF THEM IS BAD ENOUGH. BUT TWO? I mean, your head just looks like a fucking fan. There's actually a warehouse store down the street that I frequent, Uh, and there's a fucking girl there who has like three or four in her head. She looks like a fucking lion. And not in a good way. Not in like the satanic witch pussycat way. I mean, like a fucking ugly-ass mongrel whose head looks like something out of fucking Indiana Jones in the crystal skull or something. It's just freaky, it's disgusting, and, and apparently no one cares enough or cares about her enough to fucking let her know how shitty it looks. Well, this girl in the back seat digging for gold and fucking consuming it on sight is wearing the same fucking thing. Bump it. Oh goddamn bumpets. Drive me fucking crazy. I don't even know why it bothers me so much. And that actually bothers me more than her eating boogers right in my fucking eyeball. Ugh. <laughs> so fucking gross. Alright, so that's my story. <laughs> for the bizarre of the bizarre. Um, a little bit weird. Certainly bizarre. Oh, Fucking straight up gross. So that's all we have for this week. I actually do have a musician who is taking time out of his busy schedule to craft me a customized theme song. Yeah, it'll be industrial in nature, hopefully very dark. Uh, if you haven't heard of the band Blind With Rain yet, if you like industrial music, along the same lines of you know something like, I don't know, like 90's like Nails or something, check them out, Blind With Rain, fantastic music. I'm gonna have him on an episode of Creaser Feature coming up here shortly, but like I mentioned, he's gonna be making um, a custom intro for us. I think we're gonna love it. I think it's gonna kick some fucking ass. Um, And it'll be nice just having a nine-cent custom song, you know what I mean? I don't mind sampling if it's a decent sample, but I think this is gonna be just fucking badass. You can learn more about the Church of Satan and Satanism at churchofsatan.com you can find other Satanists at satannet.com the Undercroft it's a social networking site uh, make sure you're an adult before you head over there you can contact me by emailing me at info at NineCentsPodcast.com. it's in the show notes You can also check out uh, the website, download mp3, subscribe to the RSS feed, or watch me live on Sunday nights at the website 9centspodcast.com. Or you can check me at Facebook. Just search 9centspodcast. Until next week, I'm your host Adam Campbell. You've been listening to 9cents. Hail safe.